Hey guys, welcome to United 99 with myself Dan. I hope you'll stick around, grab some snacks, stay tuned for episode 3 of the United 99 podcast. Every goal, every assist. You're listening to United 99. Today we have some heavy hitting topics. Kane stays at Tottenham Hotspur. We'll be talking about that and more transfer news in this episode, including an update on whether or not Ronaldo will move to Manchester City. Second on the list will be covering the Champions League draw, what that means for United. And last up on this list, before we hit the mini topics at the end of the episode, we'll be doing build-up and predictions for the team that will face Wolverhampton Wanderers on Sunday the 29th of August for game week three. Starting off strong, Kane stays is the topic of the day. It looks like he'll be up at Tottenham for another season. At one point, it looked so certain that he would leave, but Daniel Levy plays hardball, and he's absolutely masterminded this situation. And Manchester City and Kane have just figured, have just found out how hard he plays. I think this transfer window, Kane has embarrassed himself and Tottenham Hotspur, and I think he's lost a lot of respect from the fans who have supported him since he joined the club. I'm, I'm sure they'll be singing his name again on match days, like they were against Wolves, the team United actually face on the weekend. But in private, Kane will be mocked. He, he will be vilified for a long time to come for his botched attempt to leave the club. But who's really responsible for this botched transfer? Which is actually so poetically spurs that you couldn't actually write it. I think we all know that the Grealish transfer has played a big part in this saga. With Manchester City immediately setting the market price for any sort of English player. Breaking the Premier League record for 100 million. That will have had Daniel Levy thinking, if Graylish is worth 100 million, then my golden boot winning striker is three years left in his contract, who we don't actually have to sell, is worth at least 150 billion with additional costs. A deal that Manchester City should have been able to do, but through the legality and the rules of financial fair play, they should have gone for Kane for, they should have gone for Kane first and then potentially picked up Graylish. With the loss of, of Aguero, this is the signing that Man City needed to make. Whilst Chelsea are out there buying Romelu Lukaku. They needed a statement of intent, and I think they missed the mark with Grealish. I think they could suffer big time without a full number 9. Which is probably why they're going for Ronaldo. But before we get on the, on the tangent of that, City know that if they were to break financial fair play again, or even come close to it, they could receive something more than just a slap on the wrist and a £50,000 fine. You see so often these rumours, Manchester City are going to have all their titles and trophies wiped off, given to the club who came in the runner-up position. But I think it's too late for that, and I think City are wise to it now. I don't think they're going to try and break any more rules. But Daniel Levy, Daniel Levy is a bugger to deal with. And the rumour seems to be that this gentleman's agreement that Levy had with Kane was always intended to backfire in the end. The apparent situation reads as though they would only have ever let Kane leave to a club abroad or for absolutely silly money. And as opposed to Levy, 150 million isn't silly. I mean, just today, Mbappe, Real Madrid have put in, put, have put in a bid for Mbappe of an improved offer of 147 million. It's like... you. People can argue who's better, Mbappe or Kane. 
and they can come up with different conclusions. But Kane is a proven Premier League striker who will get you 20 goals a season in the number one rated league in the world. I think, yeah, I think in this market, 150 million doesn't bag you Kane. And especially with three years left on your contract, Kane has been showed up here. He shouldn't have signed the contract if he didn't want this situation to ever be brought about. Look at the situation that's transpired. Barcelona can't buy him. They ha- they managed to lose Messi and have a 1.2 billion debt. City spent 100 million on Grealish and a f- and another and a new signing of 160 million might just have UEFA sniffing around just like have you broken FFP? Real Madrid don't want him. It seems they would rather spend 150 million on Mbappe. So I suppose there was no hope Kane was going to get what he wanted in this transfer window. What's left for Kane now? He'll have to fight for his place at Spurs again for another season. And do what he does. He just has to score goals. And then very quickly, I think he'll be back in the hearts and minds of those Spurs supporters. In other news that's pretty linked to this, I've already mentioned it so far. Ronaldo to City grows ever closer by the day. And all those fond memories of Ronaldo in a, of Ronaldo in a United shirt scoring goals and letting tro- and lifting trophies quickly seems to be being forgotten the theme on social media seems to be Messi is the goat now there is no point defending Ronaldo I mean we talked about club loyalty last episode and here we see another example of players prioritizing trophies over legacy and it seems to be that it is a bit of a cat and mouse situation. Ronaldo wants to be remembered as the undisputed greatest player ever. And while Messi's getting an easier deal going and playing in playing in the French League with PSG, it is pretty much a one-horse league. I mean, I said this on Twitter the, earlier today, not many people agreed, but Liga 1, if PSG don't win Liga 1, it's not because the other teams were better, it's because the quality of PSG managed to down tools for another season. And people can say that's wrong, but that's what I believe. Who's there to fear in Liga 1? Monaco seem on the on the downward path. Lille are pretty good, were pretty good last season. But if you talk about quality, man for man, PSG should be beating Lille every day, 10 times out of 10, every day of the week. And it's in, in a battle between Ronaldo and Messi, I believe Ronaldo sees this as his ability to come out on top in that in in this sort of regard winning a league and the champions league going over to real madrid winning four four more champions leagues and several uh, spanish division titles to then go to juventus and to win the serie a to then go back to man city and win it with, and win the premier league with a different team in a different decade i think there's a good argument that ronaldo is the more prestigious player in terms of the trophies he's won. Especially with the European Championship they picked up in 2016. But it's like, as a United fan, as a United podcast, this is horrific. He, this is not what we wanted, want at all. We don't want to see one of our best ever players, or one of our modern icons, in a, in a City shirt. This makes the Tevez to Man City situation look like small-time nonsense. Makes it look like a melodrama. This is horrific. This is worse than Van Persie coming to Arsenal and winning a Premier League with them. It, this would humiliate 
the club just all round and I'm not sure I could take it I think I'd have to take a few days off social media or maybe just for a few years just get off there because the banter is going to be just unimaginable whilst I'm editing this Ronaldo has signed for Manchester United and it has pretty much broken the internet nowhere is safe lock all your windows add your doors Ronaldo is coming back home. Football this week has been an absolute whirlwind. And to what I said uh, just earlier in the podcast, which is yesterday at this point, it just shows how quickly things have changed. 24 hours ago, Ronaldo, in my head, was going to be decked out in blue, kissing the city badge. But someone somewhere has made this deal happen, and I think a lot of it has to do with the Glazers wanting to get back on the... On, on the good side of the fans and the United faithful it seems like they think they can try and win back the fans by buying a few good players it's a good start but you're never gonna fix the, the sheer reputational damage are trying to set up the Super League it's a good start on their road to recovery but come on this is like bribing children with sweets it's not gonna work for, for very long unless things change. Uh, another part of it I think has come from the actual United squad, the pressure from fans, ex-players like Rio and Evra, as well as Portugal teammate Bruno Fernandes, which have helped force this move. Yesterday City were nailed on to sign Ronaldo because Manchester United simply weren't interested and only when they when they realised the amount of backlash the fans would, ha- the fans would have towards a United Legends signing for main rival at this point. <laughs> there would be riots in the stands. You have to, you have to imagine. It was odds on that he was going to City, as that was his only option at the time. But within 24 hours, it's completely done the reverse, and Ronaldo has chosen to come home because this is probably where he wanted to end up. I mean, I was saying yesterday that this move was driven by him winning trophies, but only, but the caveat for that is moving for trophy, he was moving for clubs that were open to him coming to the Premier League, and that was only City at that point. He still would have been a snake if he'd assigned Man City, because there is always another option. But I'm going to leave the negativity out of this right now and just enjoy the moment. Where where will Ronaldo play? He can play left winger, right winger, striker, second striker. I mean, he's lost, he's lost a bit of his pace, and I don't think he'll play every single game in the Premier League just I think he has the fitness to start a lot but he's 36 and not even Zlatan managed to last in uh, last a full season we should we should remember where where does he play uh, how, how do we get him into the team to accommodate him well the number 10 spot is Bruno Fernandes that's just banged on Sancho can be played on either the left or the right so I think you have the opportunities to move Pogba into the midfield Move Sancho over to the right-hand side. Play Ronaldo as striker with Greenwood at left wing, or Martial at left wing, or Ronaldo at left wing and Greenwood up top. There's just so much squad that there's just so much squad depth up top now. You have Rashford, James, Ronaldo, Cavani, Martial, Sancho, Greenwood, and then younger players like Ahmed. Amadiallo. 
Uh, Rashford's injured. Cavani apparently will miss eight games. So there is opportunity to put him in the team early on in this season. I think moving Pogba, I think, yeah, with the signing, Pogba is almost forced to be moved to the central midfield again. And we might see a lot more of a Pogba-Matic duo, Pogba-Fred, Pogba-McTominay. But again, it depends on who does best, who does Oli see as his best picks. Uh, it's very much a luxury signing. We didn't need him. But this is Ronaldo. And I was talking on Twitter that Ronaldo is pretty much an icon for this team. And he just raises the, player, the level of the players who are around him. I mean, he can drag Portugal through game after game in tournaments. So why is it impossible to think that he could try and drag us through Brighton away from home if things aren't looking good? We shouldn't get ahead of ourselves and say we're going to win the league. Top four looks nailed on. But we still haven't fixed the CDM role. We still are missing a crucial piece of this jigsaw that just allows this team to go to the next level but top four looks nailed on for us now is with us signing Ronaldo and every single player is going to have to raise their level just just to look at Ronaldo's boots let alone lace them it's it's an absolute brilliant signing the squad depth of Manchester United is absolutely incredible we have 29 first team players when they're all fit for, for this current season that's not even including the likes of Pereira. You have three goalkeeper options, five centre-backs, three uh, potential players you can play in the right-back role. You have Shaw and Tellez for left-back. In the midfield, you have Pogba, Fred, Van der Beek. And then, not to mention, McTominay and Matic. You have Fernandes, Lingard and Mata, who can play at 10. Rashford and James on the right, on the left wing. Sancho Greenwood and Ahmed on the left, and now Ronaldo, Cavani, and Martial up top. This this is insane. This is a really top-heavy team. We are just missing just one or two key positions in the midfield. Maybe just the maybe just the CDM where Matic plays. And this team is insane I think next season we have to think about trying to ship out at least maybe four or five players just because we are so stacked with dead wood it's it's, it's incredible uh, Solnigues is a, is a name that's been mentioned quite a lot this week the rumor mill is stating that Solnigues is free to go to Chelsea or Manchester United as the two front runners for about 30 to 35 million. So far, Chelsea seem to have put a bid in with Manchester United not making any form of attempt. And I'm just thinking to myself, why? Chelsea have such quality and squad depth in their midfield. They have Kante, Jorginho, and Kovacic. And they want to go sign Solnagez. I would take any one of those four in the Manchester United squad right now. I would take any one of them in this squad because I think apart from Pogba you could play any of those four players in our double pivot system and they 
revolutionise how we play. I don't want to say too much because we're going to go over it in the build-up. But Mugfred, I, get, I mean, the idea of Mugtomini and Fred playing together against Wolves is off the cards. Mugtomini's got an injury which will rule him out against Wolves. But the performance that I saw Fred put in against Southampton, if Fred gets a single minute of game time, Ollie's a fraud. Solskjaer is a fraud if he plays Fred. Fred and Matic got overrun against Southampton. Fred and Matic against Wolves will get dominated. So why are we not going in for a player like Solnegez, even if it won't solve our, pos solve our problems? Solskjaer doesn't like to play Donny van der Beek, it's clear. <coughs> so why not go out and buy a player? Why are we in this situation where it's a loan to, where we have to sell to buy? When we should have been selling players at the start of the summer? Matter I, I would sell tomorrow. Lingard should have been sold to West Ham. Jones is a joke. He's not even a footballer at this point. He's just a mascot. With an ankle brace on. <coughs> and Andres Pereira. We, I, I've said it before. We can't give the guy away. There's four players immediately. Mostly midfielders. Who we we should all be shipping out. We should be, should be shipping out all of them on fr on freeze if, necess if necessary. Should be busting a gut to go and sign midfield reinforcements because that's what's going to kill us this season. The creativity of the midfield is not good enough to win any form of trophy this season. Second on the list today, we'll be talking about. Uh, the Champions League draw that came out on Wednesday the 26th. And I have to admit, it looks very interesting. I'll just go through them quickly. Group A has Manchester City, PSG, Leipzig and Club Bruges. I think, if I was a betting man, I think the two teams to go through from Group A would be Manchester City and PSG. I think Leipzig are an up-and-coming team. I reckon they could do well. They could cause Pep and Pochettino a lot of scares. But Manchester City and PSG, they're the financial juggernauts of this decade, it seems. So they should both be progressing this group with ease. Club Bruges, well, I'm glad you came to play, Club Bruges, but... <laughs> I hope, you, hope you're not expecting much. Because I'm not expecting much of Club Bruges this season. Leipzig to finish third for me. In Group B, we have Atletico Madrid, Liverpool, Porto and AC Milan. And for me, this is undisputed group of death. I think any of these four teams has the pedigree to progress. I think for me, fourth place, I'm putting Porto. Could easily be AC Milan, but Porto seem more more likely. With likes of Ibrahimovic up front for AC Milan, they've always got a goal in them. Uh, in third, 
and putting AC Milan just simply because I don't think their quality is as high as Liverpool or Atletico and I'll put them to go through into the Europa League uh, which leaves Liverpool and, and Madrid to progress and I will put Atletico second Liverpool first in that group Group C Sporting Lisbon Borussia Dortmund Ajax Besiktas and fourth place Besiktas I think they could get blown away easy by any team that's in that group it's a toss up for me because I would have Borussia Dortmund first and then mm, and then I'd put Sporting Lisbon third Ajax second Borussia Dortmund first that's how I'd do it I mean Borussia Dortmund have got the likes of Haaland and they've got so much quality that I think they'll be more than enough to beat any team in that in that group. Group D is one of the more straightforward. You have it, the Moldova team, uh, Sheriff. First time they've actually appeared, Sheriff. But like Club Rouge, thanks for coming to play, but bye bye. I don't think you'll get any points at all. Shakhtar Donetsk, third. Inter Milan, second. Real Madrid, first for Group D. Group E, another potential group of death, but not as but not as blatant as Group B. Group E, Bayern Munich, Barcelona, Benfica, and Dynamo Kiev. If fourth, Dynamo Kiev, third, Benfica, second, Barcelona, first, Bayern Munich. <laughs> Whenever Bayern Munich play Barcelona. Barcelona get obliterated. So I'll be gladly tuning into that on on Tuesdays and Wednesdays. That's, that's Group E. Now our group, Manchester United's group. Group F. Villarreal, United, Atalanta and Young Boys. Hmm. I think Manchester United, we should be easily top in that group. That is one of the most simplistic groups in the league. In the Champions League draw. Manchester United have the quality all round, man for man, to be any team in that group. We should be picking up six points easy of young boys, who I think will finish fourth in the table. <clears throat> the problem then becomes Atalanta and Villarreal. Both good footballing teams. And if Solskjaer persists with this McFred double pivot, side to side crab football, relying on counter attacks, he's going to get found out. But I think Manchester United should be coming out on top. Anything less than that is a real stain on Ollie's record this season when he needs to be making a statement that he can win trophies. I'll put Young Boys 4th, Atalanta 3rd to go into the Europa League, Villarreal 2nd, Europa League champions last year, we should have beat them, time for the rematch, with Manchester United 1st. In terms of how many points we should look to acquire in Champions League games, I think I think Young Boys will be a bit of a pushover, we should be comfortably winning home and away, so immediately that's 6 points. 
Atalanta could scare us at times, but we have the quality to dispatch them. So I'm saying a win and potentially a draw for the two games we play. Which I think four points is acceptable. Villarreal could be the ones to make us have a mistake. So I think a win and a loss there would be fair. Which would bring us to around 10-11 points out of a potential 18. Which would be enough United to progress with, without doubt. And that's what we should be aiming for. Just as a final quick topic towards the end, just to round off the episode. A bit of a heavy one. Uh, Benjamin Mendy has been charged with four counts of with four counts of rape and one sexual assault. Uh, it's just how can players think they can get away with this in the modern day times? It was it. It's just not acceptable. It puts like previous events like this of Ched Evans, Adam Johnson. It's right up there. It's a disgrace. It's really grinds my teeth at this. It was really shocking. With the final two groups, Group G first. Lille, Sevilla, Salzburg, Wolfsburg. Uh, I would put Salzburg first, just because of the quality of the Austrian league. I don't rate it very highly. And then I'd put Wolfsburg on top of that, simply because I think they're up and coming, Wolfsburg. But they're definitely not as what the club they used to be a few seasons ago. When they actually knocked us out. When Van Gaal was still manager. Then I would put Lille second. And Sevilla first. Wrapping up with Group H. Chelsea, Juventus, Zenit, Malmo. Malmo. I think Malmo, Malmo always get done 5-0. It's just, they always get stat-padded against. I reckon, double hat-trick for Lukaku. <laughs> no, but seriously, Malmo are not a great team in the Champions League draw. So, yeah. I'm going Malmo bottom, Zenit third. Juventus second, because if they could lose a lot of quality, I think... Ronaldo's dragged them through a lot of situations in the past two, three seasons. And I think Chelsea under Tuchel, they look like clear favourites for me. On the topic of favourites, now that we've wrapped that up, there's, a f uh, there's actually four or five, maybe six teams that could do well and win it at just outright. Group A, City and PSG. Finalists, semi-finalists. They've been in the semi. They've been up there every single season for the last few seasons. Chelsea won it last year. They're the defending champions. Bayern Munich have also won it in the last few seasons. Liverpool champions the last few seasons. That's already six teams. This season. This season's Champions League will be one of the one of the best to watch for decade for a decade or two. There's so much to play for, and there's so many big games that will just come up, come along every single week. 
where 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 should Manchester United think about being? We've already talked about them being top of the group. But with this quality, you get you get. You could you could get drawn with anyone. Chelsea, Bayern Munich, City, PSG, Liverpool, Atletico, Borussia Dortmund, Real Madrid. This could be a real slog for Oli. And I think this season we need to be looking at semi-final. Is probably the maximum of what we can achieve. I think with this draw, quarterfinals is respectable for where I think we're at currently. The last big topic of this episode will be talking about United going away and facing Wolves away from home. And the first thing I have to mention is Wolves' track record in the last few games. Apart from the 4-0 thrashing of Wolverhampton Wanderers, on Tuesday, on Tuesday, uh, Wolves have lost one nil in the last three. In the last three, in all competitions, they lost against Celta Vigo in the friendly one nil. They lost against, and in the league they've lost against Leicester City away from home, and Spurs at home. And I think this this game has a nil nil written all over it. Wolverhampton Wanderers want the points on the board. And I don't think Manchester United have enough tempo or creativity in them unless they play a suitable midfield to, to, break, the, to break them down. Uh, going through my prediction of what I'd pick, I'd go for De Gea in goal. Back four of Shaw, Maguire, Varane and Wan-Bissaka. I think Lindelof was the better centre-back last time out against Southampton. But you want to see your club captain playing with your new signing and developing a partnership. This this centre-back partnership should be the one that finally wins us something. Varane has to be included. I think she should have been introduced earlier. There, were, there was opportunity to blood him in against Burnley and get him on the pitch against Southampton. But it didn't happen. If I'm looking at the next chance to get Varane a start, if I'm going through it, our next few games are Wolves, Newcastle and West Ham. A double feature against West Ham, then Aston Villa and Everton. The thing with me is Newcastle are a big bogey team and I don't want him throwing in Varane as a starter against Newcastle, because I think he, could, I think he, he could get obliterated by them, even though Newcastle aren't actually that good. You have to get him in and get him confident in the Premier League, and this is the best game for it now. A team who are in bad form, but who on the day could absolutely annihilate us. And it all depends on the midfield. I've gone for a double double pivot. Of Van der Beek and Matic. I think. If I'm thinking back to the 3-1 Everton game. Van der Beek Matic played them off the park. They set the tempo. They held the ball well. And they just distributed it down the channels. Beautifully. I think any other midfield combination. Is going to get dominated. 
by the likes of João Moutinho, uh, Ruben Neves, also Leon Dendon Leon Leander Dendonka. Last time we played them, we won 2-1 with the help of Juan Mata, who I don't think should be anywhere near this team. But who I think... Sh I think Oli would just about give him a start, you know? Just because Oli seems to do the things the way he wants, which is respectable. But you have to, but you have to make the correct decisions. And last week we lost because Oli made the wrong decisions. He has to get it right. And to do that, Van der Beek and Matic seem like the best options. Fred cannot start this game. McTominay uh, won't because he's got an injury to his shoulder. So he's ruled out. We have to find a way to unlock our, our front four, essentially. Which I've gone for. Sancho on the left wing. Fernandes at the 10 in the hole. Pogba on the right. With Greenwood up front. Our best three players this season have been Fernandez, Greenwood and Pogba. So you got to keep playing them. Playing them in, them in those positions. And I think that's a good enough team to beat them. Raul, Raul Jimenez is a dangerous number 9. He, he can score goals on his day. Adama Traore has got a lot of pace. But I don't rate him very highly. Uh, Podence, good forward. Ruben Neves is the one who can unlock the, unlock it. Who can unlock doors. And once again I'd take any player from their midfield. And put them in the side. Just because I think they're better than what we have. My score prediction for uh, against Wolverhampton Wanderers will be 3-1. And again I don't think we'll, be, we'll manage to get a clean sheet. It, the rumour mill seems that Sancho is a definite starter. Cavani will be on the bench. With hopefully Fred should be made to suffer at the hands of Manchester United. That, that pretty much sums up our build-up for uh, the Wolves game on Sunday the 29th of August. Just as a final quick topic towards the end, just to round off the episode, a bit of a heavy one. Uh, Benjamin Mendy has been charged with four counts of, with four counts of rape and one sexual assault. It's just how can players think they can get away with this in the modern day times? It was it. It's just not acceptable. It puts like previous events like this of Chad Evans, Adam Johnson. It's right up there. It's a disgrace. It really grinds my teeth at this. It was really shocking. My only thought of this is that if the police charge you with something, then they usually have enough to prosecute prosecute you with. And so far, Man City have suspended him pending the investigation and court sentencing. Time will tell with this sensitive topic, but it's not looking good for him. If you've got this far, thank you very much for watching. We're going to wind down now. Uh, I hope you're having a good day wherever you are, and just enjoy the fact that Ronaldo's coming home. Follow us on Twitter today at twitter.com slash 99podcast.